the golf channel is a highlight reel pretty much you only see their good golf and welcome aboard another par train i'm one of your co-hosts they call me evan singer i've got my other co-host matt cermak here what's, what's up my up? man welcome aboard another train they actually used to call me Serm Nation, but oh, did they? Did they? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But uh, it's good to be back, Gav. What a ride we just had with uh, yeah. runner-up at the USAM in 2020, Ali Osborne. Before we get to that episode, though, thanks for hopping aboard, guys. In case you're new, our mission yeah. on the part train is to help frustrated golfers, maybe like you, enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe if you can learn to smile through bad golf. You can smile through anything. We interview PJ Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, everyday golfers, and top amateurs in the world like Ali to make the hardest game in the world feel easy, help you get out of your own way, shoot your lowest scores ever, and enjoy the ride. Helping you improve your mental game. That's what we're doing. We're making the mental That's game it? more relatable, accessible. And before we get to this episode, quick word from our friends at Sticks Golf. Oh, Sticks well. Golf guys is uh it's the holidays i don't know if you heard and here's the crazy thing sir uh golf clubs are crazy expensive right and every year they're coming out with new technology a lot of times as golfers we're not sure if the new technology is actually worth the price right like how good how much better sure. is the new club from last year's that's a thing that people are constantly trying to figure out well sticks golf believes that everyone should have access to the top performing clubs that look good, that aren't your hand-me-down sets you got from your grandpa 30 right. years ago. In the garage. match set. A brand new yeah. set that basically can cost almost as much as a brand new driver. If you think about it, term, a brand new driver these days is 600 bucks. If you get any type of upgrade, it's going to be 700 plus. Yep. And with our code, you can get a Sticks Golf full 14 club set, head covers and a new bag. Oh. In a bag for like 800 bucks with our 20% off code. It's a great deal. I mean, so look, I get it. So I'm like you and me, we we got custom clubs, you know, we kind of like tinkering, but if you're a little bit newer to the game or you want to pick the game back up and you want to get like a good quality set without spending a couple thousand dollars. I think sticks golf is the perfect option for you. Absolutely. And for, or for that second set, right. You want to make a yeah. nice update. Yeah. Um, look, it's the off season. This is the time to, if, if you're going to tinker or buy new clubs, buy them now, you know, and work with them before the, the season kicks back up. That's, yep. you know, for all those non LA California golfers when they got golf all year round. Exactly. But and a little sticks is amazing. And they're really, they're, they're really breaking through the industry. Um, it's, it's an amazing company, an amazing brand, an amazing group of individuals that yep. are really doing wonders for, for the golf community. It's true. And, you know, just to give you guys a little pro tip, the golf, the big golf companies don't usually have a lot of sales during the, the holidays. Their, their releases are coming out in the early in the new year. So, it's weird. Like you, it's actually hard to get yourself a brand new club for a good price towards the end of the year in the golf industry. Cause a lot of people are waiting for the new stuff and yeah. they don't have a lot of sales, but sticks golf, however, will give you 20% off. So go to sticks.golf. That is sticks.golf. Enter the code par train holiday. All one word. And we'll get you 20% off that sale ends December 31st. 
So if you're thinking if about getting new clubs, right. if you're on the fence, make sure we'll, you get them we'll in the next couple of weeks um, and get yourself 20% off. Because I think after this holiday season, I think our code's going to go back to 10% off. So make sure you get that extra 10% off. Sticks.golf, enter the code PARTRAIN HOLIDAY. Boom. Okay. Um, we just had one hell of a ride on the train with Ali Osborne. Um, so Ali competed in the 2021 Masters Tournament and U.S. Open due to his runner-up finish at the 2020 USAM at Bandon. If you guys were watching that, you probably remember the crazy match that was between Tyler Strafacci and Ali Osborne. This 36-hole final match at the USAM. Ali started f- up five in the first 12. And in dunes. Down two with the last three holes. Ended up square on the last hole in the fog at Bannon Dunes to try and win the USAM. We talk all about that at the end of the episode. But I thought this episode, Serm, was the perfect combination of what an amateur golfer needs, right? It's a guy that is really young in his career, college kid still, graduates in the spring next year, yep. um, but has some of the best coaches in the world and played in some of the biggest tournaments of the world and been really successful. And so you played in college. I think there's a lot of interesting parallels of maybe what he's done that the average player can take to their game. Yeah. This is quite a look into how one of the top amateurs in the world thinks uh, is, you know, how he practices, how he relates his game to the best players in the world. He's got some great stories of, he tells on the show with us, you know, playing with DJ and Freddie Couples. Yeah. Um, he's got this real quiet confidence about him that is, is so important for any player, right? You know, believe in what you can do, believe in what you're good at. He talks about being a ball striker. Just yeah. rip it. That's what I'm gonna do, right? Um, short game drills, you know, I love that. You talk yeah. really into that, and you guys gotta check that part out. It's so good. So no, really great to meet Ollie. He's going to be a stud. I mean, yeah. look, you need a little luck to get to the, to get to the tour, you know, with Q school or sponsors, exemptions or whatever the story might be, but he's one to look out for. Yeah. Really one to look out for. Well, that's a good point, sir, because this episode's a great combo of mental game lessons, advice he got from some of the best players in the world, actual drills, routines yeah. that help him in between tournaments right? The differences between Masters, US Open, USAM, like there's a lot of, you know, I'll say this in a lot of interviews, sir, it takes a little bit to get going. There's usually a few nuggets, you know, that are are good Mm -hmm. takeaways. I felt like every question we asked today, there was an interesting nugget to take away. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for you to get better. It was um, very, it was very candid. We love that. Yep. So So definitely uh, give this a listen to the end because that's when we go into all the USAM stuff. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. We've been seeing your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please keep dropping those in if you haven't already and if we've added any value. We want your story to inspire others to hop aboard the train. So thank you for submitting the reviews. Please do so if you can at Apple Podcasts. Follow us at The Par Train, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're growing by the hundreds every day. We can't thank you enough. No matter if you're a top amateur in the world, uh, like Ollie, or you're a 15 handicap or a 30 handicap. What do they got to do, sir? No matter how they're hitting it, just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care.
Ali Osborne, it is our pleasure to welcome you aboard the Par Train. How are we feeling today? Appreciate it. Feeling good. Good to see you. You know, it's funny. I don't know if you've ever listened to the show, but our intro song is Crazy Train. It's a remix, (laughs) but it's, you know, Ozzy Osbourne. I'm sure you've heard this a lot. But I just want to ask to start off today. If you ever play in the Zurich Classic, I think it's the Zurich that does it, and you get a walkout song, are you going Crazy Train? Wow. That's a great question. You know, I've actually, uh, I've thought about a lot about walkout songs. I think I'm going Rockstar by Nickelback. Oh, oh Nickelback. <laughs> stage. Wow. Yeah. And as a young guy, too, going Nickelback. Wow. Yeah, I love gotta, that. Talking. You know? Yeah, you got to bring him back, you know? You know, maybe at the end of this episode, maybe we'll throw a little Nickelback fading out just for you, Ollie. That'd be perfect. I like okay. that. I love that. Well, uh, Ollie, I've been looking at, you know, we've been learning about you the past few days um, leading into today. And I noticed uh, on some of your Instagram posts, after planning your first master's, you used the hashtags U-Haul and Stay Dangerous. And I want to get the context <laughs> behind these two hashtags. Okay. So uh, it's a little explicit, I'd say. But uh, U-Haul, uh, there's like an episode of Family Guy where he's like, his balls are so big, like he has to put them <laughs> in a wheelbarrow. So, uh, like my brother and his yeah. friend came up with U-Haul, so like we're putting our balls in U-Haul, pretty much. Uh, so it's just kind of that term. Okay. Uh, stay dangerous. I, I, I just kind of came up with somebody said it in like a movie or something, and it just kind of stuck with me. Uh, just kind of, kind of the same mindset. Just, uh, just you know, staying dangerous. Stay aggressive, kind of. Yeah, no, I'd say that's definitely key. Um, you know, uh, I actually work with uh, Brett McCabe. Um, oh, awesome. We've had Brett so, on the show three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw you guys post about him. So yeah. that, was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and uh, we've always, we've been working a lot on uh, staying aggressive and um, just kind of bringing that side of me up. I love the dangerous part, right? Because it's kind of fun, you know, and your attention aggressive everybody says right fearless but dangerous is well you know ali again welcome to the show um you know tell the listeners a little bit about your upbringing i'm fascinated personally because you grew up playing tournaments with your brother i grew up with three brothers we all played in college together we all grew up traveling the country playing and um so those are some of the best memories so tell a little bit about you know how you got started and playing with your family yeah so uh when we were about two to three years old our dad threw us into some sports so we started out i have uh, two other siblings my brother and my older sister um we started out ski racing uh playing golf and playing baseball um and we got like every season kind of went with each sport um and eventually we got to choose one i think i chose about in eighth grade i i really wanted to decide to i really decided to play golf um and that was because of my older brother uh, he chose before me about two years earlier, um, just to stick with golf. And, uh, I, I really like to follow what he did. He's a huge role model in my life. Um, so I decided to stick with that and I, I love it. Yeah. We, we compete all the time. Um, our dad was the one who would drive over the hill to Sacramento to all those NCGA tournaments, all those junior tournaments, like almost every weekend, um, got to compete with my brother and uh, other people I've, uh, become friend, friends with. Um, so that's kind of how it started. 
but uh yeah i'd say my brother's a huge role and uh yeah. my golf career we were the same way come high school we stopped all the other sports you know eighth grade high school like yeah our brothers and my older brother joe was the one to do that like you're so um just had to pick right to chase the dream yeah yeah, no, I, I love to follow the, the older brother. So, <laughs> Speaking of skiing, I think we've talked about before on this show how snow sports, there are a lot of parallels with commitment, right? Because you can't, especially with racing, like you can't, I, I snowboard, I haven't raced or anything, but as we were talking off air about coming up to Tahoe this weekend, and I know you're from Reno, um, there's a lot of parallels, right, from the mental side, because you can't be out there playing scared. And even though it might be scary to go fast, you just have to commit to that. Or you're more like, and the more you think about making a mistake or falling, the more likely you are probably to do so, right? Yeah, I completely agree with that. You, you ski scared. Uh, first off, you'll be slow. And then uh, mm. second off, it's, it'll make it more dangerous. Kind of, you just kind of playing or skiing not to hit that bump or hit that patch of ice. So it's, no, definitely just kind of staying aggressive, stay committed. And similar thing with golf is just much more slower paced. Yeah. So I'm really fascinated, Ollie, with your story. Um, we're going to dig in probably super detailed of various experiences and parts of your game, but just at a high level to start. Um, big picture. I was thinking about this because I talk a lot about this with Serm, Serm being a former D1 player like you. Um, but you, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about the USAM at Bandon, um, which, by the way, was like the coolest event to watch because, like, we've had the we've had the Kaisers on the show. Matt's good friends with Chris, um, and we love Bandon Dunes. And so, for the first time, to be able to watch Bandon on TV on that stage, but also your guys' match down the stretch in the fog, like it was a really cool <laughs> thing to watch. We'll talk about it. What it was like being in it, but. Runner-up in the USAM, played in three tour events, two majors, right? Just what have you learned since then? What, how are you a different golfer? Wow. Um, so I, I guess my first tour event was my freshman year summer, uh, actually at my home course uh, yeah. in Reno, Nevada, the Barracuda. I, I kind of, that one I learned that I, I, I'm going to eventually belong out there. I knew I had some work to do. I, I played with uh, some guys that, um i just watched like how, them how they go about the game i hit it a mile past him but uh their wedges were just so on lock mm. um i'd say at the masters and the u.s open like i hate to sound like a little cocky but those guys out there aren't that good i mm. like got the golf channel is a highlight reel pretty much you only see their good golf um but I, I got to play practice rounds with uh dj gary woodland um, Bryson, Kevin Na, um, Charles Schwartzel, Louis Ustazen. And then I actually play with um, Fred Couples and Francesco in the, the normal rounds. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I got to play with some really cool guys. And they, they were all super nice to me and uh, gave me advice. But uh, I just kind of realized they're, they, these guys are obviously really good, but like, I'm not that far off. Mm. Like, it's just, it's just a few putts here or there and it's just we make it way more complicated than it is um it's it's really just that simple just tightening up wedges and uh making a few more putts maybe driving the ball a little better however you want to put it um mm. 
But yeah, I'd say the biggest takeaway for sure is um, tour players aren't as good as you think they are. Time, did you notice, you know, obviously you're right. It is a few putts. It is, you know, being a little more consistent with your wedges. Is it a few mental decisions too, Ollie? Yeah, I think, no, it's definitely at that point. It's uh, it's very mental. Um, I, I go to uh, my coach, Josh Gregory, and he was uh, coaches quite a few tour players. And he was saying every one of those guys out there is selfish. Um, like they're always working on themselves and um, trying to get better. Um, but no, it's, it's definitely at that point, it's mental. Like everybody, everybody in college can hit the ball and uh, like chip and putt decent. Like, I mean, the really good guys can obviously chip and putt a lot better. Um, but yeah, it's just that mental aspect of kind of having no fear. I think Tiger said a few weeks ago, or I saw it a few weeks ago, um, people on the corn ferry learn how to make birdies and that's and before they go on tour and that's a really good thing and i think we kind of get a little bit of sleep in college just kind of trying to make pars because even par at some of those college courses is really damn good especially in bad um, weather yeah and you're going to get top tens um so yeah i think uh just kind of making that transition of playing aggressive making birdies maybe pissing off your coach sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny um, you say that, Ollie, yeah. because uh, one of our mutual, our mutual best friend between Serm and I, uh, Serm's college teammate, my best friend growing up, um, was the number one or number two ranked player in Missouri, where I grew up. Um, and he played at Missouri State with Cermak and uh, played against Scott Langley growing up who I don't know if you know but is on tour and, yeah um you know it's funny Ryan told me the single difference between him and Scott was Ryan would like he shot a 66 and made a state record in high school and funny enough his record lasted 10 minutes and then someone behind him <laughs> broke it um but Ryan said that when he would go low he would hang on and when Scott would go low he would want to go lower. Yeah. And he thinks that that's the big thing mentally that was the difference between him and Scott. And now Scott's on tour. So it sounds like you almost validated that a little bit with what you just said. Yeah. I, one of my uh, childhood coaches, Phil Dawson, would always say, uh, like, once you get to like three, four under par, you bring out the sheriff to serve and protect. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> punt drivers down the fairway. And that type of stuff. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Those uh, guys on tour are willing to uh, stay aggressive. And um, as my coach, Josh Gregory puts it, you have to be willing to shoot 76 to shoot 66. Um, mm. It's just, it's just that awkward thing of letting go and staying aggressive. So, so Ali, I think, you know, we're kind of covering it here. I mean, so you played in two majors um, and then you had to come back to normal college golf. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, you got a taste of what these guys are out, like out there. And, you know, you're going to talk about, you know, they're really good, but I, I think I, I can hang with these guys. So, but what else did you notice about maybe their practice routines? What did you implement back into your college routine? You know, um, or what adjustments did you make, you know, um, as you got back into the, the grind of college golf? Yeah, no, I, I got to see some really cool things and how people kind of go through their practice routines. Um, I'd say for sure I, I started working a lot more on uh, my short game, like wedges, chipping, putting. I don't spend that much time on the range, just a few ma maintenance things. 
Um, so I really made that transition. Um, I'd say since the Barracuda, because that's when I really noticed, like, I really need to clean this up. And it's still a work in progress, obviously. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to get better at the, I think wedges is the main thing. Just you see some guys on tour that are able to get up and down from 130 yards and in. Um, and I'm not very close to that yet, but uh, we're, we're working on it. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, also, they're, they're really efficient. Um, I think a lot of times I see college players, especially on my team, they'll go hit balls for they're like range rats, which I was a complete range rat. I'd go hit balls for three hours and kind of aimless practice. Um, just kind of like work on positions and stuff and not really like fading or drawing the ball or maybe mm -hmm. playing instead. Um, so yeah, I'd say, um, kind of switched over to a more efficient process and way more short game. Well, and it, it makes sense. And obviously that is the way to be, to become elite. Like you are and to be, get to that next level. But I've heard you say in an interview that I'm a ball striker. <laughs> that's that's yeah. who I am. <laughs> And, and so, you know, that's really, you know, that's a really strong part of your game. So continue to work harder on the short game, but as a ball striker, you know, it sounds like you're working on shaping it. Do you feel most comfortable when you swing hard? Talk about your style a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'd say I, I'm definitely one of the longer players in college. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love to swing hard. I think it, it's like that feeling when you're able to swing free is like, the most liberating thing in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I'd say when I'm able to swing free, it's, it's kind of like that effortless hard. And it's just kind of like when you're in that flow state. Um, and it's pretty rare for me, honestly, and as a ball striker, but uh, I'd say when I can do that, it's, it's kind of unbeatable. It's funny. We're talking this week. Ollie, because last week, Cermak and I did a deep dive on an episode purely designed about talking to our younger golfing selves, right? And the one thing I realized that I've made the mistake of that most golfers do, I'm a six, you know, I'm not a scratch like Serm or, or like you, Ollie, but um, I think it's the ego loves the range, right? Because yep. look, I've been on ranges with top players as well and i've felt like i hit it just as good as them if not longer or better right and then i think i can play with this guy right like in a member guest or something that's a big tournament for me um but then i realize like okay i can't be expecting to get up and down very often when i'm spending 95 percent of my time on the <laughs> range right and it's not a glamorous thing to go to the short game area. It's really not, like, especially if you don't have a plan. Um, so was that a tough transition? Or did the guys on, on tour kind of give you a little kick in the butt? And you're like, okay, this is how I'm going to end up like them. I need to... How was that transition? No, it's, it's not that fun, uh, I'd say. <laughs> um, I, like, everybody loves to hit the ball and hit it hard. Like, you want to yeah. go try to rip driver as hard as you can on the range or hit like some cool stingers or something, but like going to uh chip and putt. No, it's different, but no, I I'd, I'd say after the Barracuda, I kind of got that kick in the ass I needed. Um, and I, I kind of forced myself to love practicing short game. Um, so like 
uh, my coach, Josh Gregory, kind of formulated a practice plan. We call it the gauntlet. Um, and it's just uh, chipping, putting, and wedges. And it only takes about like an hour to an hour and a half. Um, but I'll run through it real quick. So yeah, let's hear it. Uh, yeah. I'll start. I'll start with putting usually, and we'll do. So the the whole thing is a lot of it's like a performance practice, but you still do some maintenance with it. So I'll start the practice like ten to fifteen minutes, just running through setup, um, just kind of checking things, uh, making sure ball position is good. Um, making sure I'm kind of rolling it online. If you want to do pels, if you want to alignment stick down, something like that. And then after that, I'll go through, uh, the first gauntlet drill, which is you have five balls in a circle, um, around the same cup. Um, you start at three feet and then you go all the way from three feet to 12 feet, um, in one foot increments. So mm -hmm. three feet, four feet, five feet. And you try to make, God, what would that be? I'm blanking. I think it's so like three out of five. Is it 50? If it's 50 putts, I think so it, starting I think at it three is. feet, ending at 12, three, four, five, six, seven. That's 10. Yeah, 50 putts. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. I was blanking there for a second. So I really uh, put my myself goal... out of my comfort zone for you there, Ali. I'm not a numbers <laughs> guy, but I did it for I, you, okay? Yeah, I, I think I'm a numbers guy, but uh, I forget <laughs> it half the time. Um, so, yeah, I go through that and uh, I try to get. I would try to make 30, um, just get lower than 20 misses. Um, and I usually switch between two holes, um, like go three feet, five balls, 12 feet, five balls, go back to the other hole, four feet, five balls, oh, interesting. Then 11 feet, five balls. And you go through that and it's, even if you do bad, it's just kind of a, a baseline and I'll, I'll take, like, I'll, I'll jot it down in my notes and kind of see where I'm at. And then like each day you're able to see progression, like, a golf is really hard because you can't really see progression on the on the range or on like if you're just aimlessly practicing. Mm -hmm. So we we Josh is really good at finding a way to uh, make sure you have a baseline and just see progression a little bit. Um, so yeah, like one day you might make 25 putts, just half of them, and then the next day it might get worse or it might get better, but you're trying to get to that mark. And my mark is trying to get less than 20 misses. Um, so I do that and I'll, and then I'll go through a quick speed drill. Like I got like five of them that I, I might do. Um, and then I usually go chip, um, same thing, do 10 minutes of maintenance work. Um, and then I'll either play a chipping contest if I have a buddy there or something, or I'll, I'll do the, the gauntlet drill, which is you go around the green, uh, no bunkers in this one. Um, just kind of like pretty basic chips inside three feet one point outside uh three to six feet is zero points outside six feet is minus one and we're trying to hit the 10 point marker um mm -hmm. for 18 shots um so kind of going through that and then wedges um i start at 40 uh, i will do maintenance and then start at 40 all the way to 130 that's 18 shots um in five five yard increments like 40, 45, 50, 55. And then uh, I'll, I'll try to mix them so that they're not in order. Um, and you just yep. kind of see where the ball lands and you try to average less than 10 feet is my goal. Um, so I run through that. It takes about a quick hour and a half. Um, and then you kind of off on your day, kind of go hit some balls, go play, whatever you want after that. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. 
hear from one of our brand new sponsors, and then we'll get you right back to the show. You're not going to want to fast forward through this one. Trust me. So I was reflecting the other day, guys, okay? And I was thinking, wouldn't it be crazy if we all had our own caddies? Not just a caddy at the club you play at or whatever, but literally your own dedicated caddy playing with buddies wherever. Wouldn't it be sweet if we had a caddy that always gave us the perfect yardage for every shot? They factored in the wind. They factored in the elevation. They factored in how cold it was, right? A caddy that kept our stats, that told you that 90% of the time you miss the fairway to the right, right? So maybe that helps you with their alignment off the tee or maybe club selection. Or a caddy that kept track of your scores, right? And told you where your handicap was trending. But also, more importantly, told you where your buddies were shooting that week too. You can kind of compete thanks to your caddy for keeping track of it. Maybe even a caddy who, you know, is great with on course, but also happens to be a swing instructor and can look at your swing and say, hey, you're getting a little too inside. Let's get you back on plane, right? 18 birdies is basically your own caddy in your pocket. I'm telling you, it's the number one GPS swing analyzer app in the world. And the app is an absolute game changer. They have data that says for premium users, and I'll get you a free trial as being a part train listener. Premium users on the 18 birdies app, on average, shave four shots off their handicap. Four. How crazy is that? I played with it the other day. And, you know, I don't hit the fairway every time. So the yardages, the plays like yardages, it was a game changer. But more importantly, guys, that's all great. Like your game's going to get better. It's guaranteed. It's in the data, right? And I know you guys care about getting better if you listen to this show. And we're working on your mental game. The par train for the mental game and 18 birdies app for on course and stat tracking and swing analyzing, it's pretty much a deadly combo, right? But I think the coolest part, And the big reason why I want you to download the 18 Birdies app is because I'm starting a private par train group. And look, we get DMs of your scorecards every week. So now it's all going to be in one place. It's going to say who's leading the week in best score, who's leading the week in this stat and this stat. And we got our own little leaderboard. And it's going to be super fun. Okay, so I'm going to get you a free trial of this app. And all you got to do is hit the show notes of this episode. And tap the link in those show notes, and that'll take you to download the app and join our group automatically. So it's super easy. It's going to improve your game. We don't just promote anything, right? This is the number one app in the world for this stuff. I come from tech, so I know a good app when I see it. And this is good stuff, guys. So join us on the 18 Birdies train. Enter your scores. Improve your game. Shave four shots off your handicap. And let's start challenging each other to get even better in 2022 thanks guys let's get back to the show god imagine if the golfers listening did that right <laughs> to me sir before you because i know sir's chomping at the bit he's sir max short game's incredible um but what i'm what my takeaway is for that sir i'd love for you to check me on this it's and we see this a lot with our people we interview you gamify it you add competitiveness, right? Because if you don't make it fun, you're not going to do it, right? So you got to make it, you got to make it competitive, right? So that it can b- better translate to when you're actually out there. And two, variability. You're not just doing three footers, four footers, four footers, mm-hmm. five footers, six footers. You're going from three to six, right? From four to eight, 
from 50 yards to 30 yards to 80 yards um, because that's real. You're never going to have two of the same shots, you know, back to back unless you duff one or something. But um, (laughs) I don't know. Sir, what do you you take away from that? It's fun to listen to Ali talk through that. Look, that gauntlet drill, Ali, the putting, it's hard. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, yeah, it, it's hard. And what, what, what's great about it is it's a mental test, right? To it. And you see where you're at mentally that day. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, you know, your strokes is good, you know, but every day is different. Right. And who knows what happened in class or who knows what, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> it sees where your head's at and then kind of ending with those games. Right. Because you'll grind yourself out doing drills the whole time. So it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's challenging, you know, it's challenging your brain and your skills in two different ways. And I just, that's, that's how for the listeners, this is how you blend and work at your short game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, Josh was really good at making things a game. Uh, but he's also really good at making our practice harder than it, than it is to be out in the course. So like, mm, yeah, I'd say the gauntlet is way harder than actually playing golf. Yeah. Um, but when you go play golf, it seems easy. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just that kind of way to, as you said, gamify it and, uh, see where you're at and have some mental challenge. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say drills, Serm, because l- thinking back to my example again for me, I think I, mostly I'm working on technical stuff, positions, technique around the greens. And then when I play golf, I'm thinking too much technique instead of type of shot. What does the lie give me? Where's the best place to miss it, right? More strategic, yeah. managing the game instead of this the actual motion needing to be perfect right um right and it's a that's a tough thing right people might be listening to this ollie and be thinking well that's easy for ollie to say right he's a top amateur in the world wants to turn pro he he's got his swing and his game figured out whereas someone that plays golf that might be a 12 or 15 handicap sees that big block right or a snap hook costing them shots wants to try and fix that before they go an hour and a half to the short game area right so what would you say to those players that think this doesn't apply to them yeah it's it's a tough thing because I'll, I'll go play every day practice every day so and i know people other people can't do that and they might just get out on weekends or maybe like once a month um yeah. and my, my dad's uh one of those guys he, he works uh, absurdly hard um at his job and he'll only get out I'd say two, three times uh, a month. And uh, yeah, it is that awkward thing. You kind of, you want to work on the big things first, which I, I do agree with. Um, and it's, I'd say if you could try to do like consistent maintenance work, uh, like just making sure alignment's good, making sure your ball position's good. I think once you nail down setup for each category, uh, that's when you really uh, are able to make some strides. Because what I see is when I take time off from golf, I really struggle with my setup. Like if I take two, three weeks off, it just feels foreign. And my ball position might be off. I might, my right left shoulder might be higher than my right on putting or something weird. So if you could nail down just a, a quick maintenance thing um, and just make sure your setup's good. Just put an alignment stick down. Um, make sure your alignment's good ball position i'd say are probably the two most important things and some of the most common things i see off with some other amateur golfers um and then after that 
yeah, try to, you're going to want to work on positions and uh, it, it is that tough, that kind of gray area for uh, these golfers that don't get out every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say definitely work on setup for each category. Yeah. And I'd say I do. I mean, for our listeners, everybody likes to get a long game lesson when you get a short game lesson, right? Because, you know, Ollie's got his coach there talking about his fundamentals and his, what his tendencies are. That goes for short game too, right? You know, that goes for your ball position, where your hand position is, you know, as it relates to the line and things like that. So I think there's well, there's something to investing if you don't have, but when you do have the time, get a short game less. Yeah. I actually think we've talked about this before, sir, but Ali, I'd love for you to dig in just a little bit more on alignment because I actually think it's quite difficult on your own to work on it, you know, because I think. It's actually really surprised me, I learned this not too long ago, that you're not actually supposed to line up directly at your target. Like your, your feet and your shoulders might actually be a little bit left depending on your shot shape. Um, and, you know, I, like I played with Cermak once and he's like, you're aimed like 20 yards left. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. And to me, it doesn't look that way. So I'll put an alignment stick down, but I'm not even sure where to put the alignment stick and what I'm working on. So help people understand, like if they're on their own at the range and they're using their phone to film their swing, how do you even check your alignment? What are you looking for? What do you work on there? Yeah. So quick thing on alignment. So once you throw an alignment stick down, we call it parallel left. Um, Mm. And that's pretty much the ball is further right than your feet. Right. Yep. And so your your feet are going to be naturally aimed a little left of the pin. Got it. Um, just That's just because of where, yeah, just because where you are. Um, so I would say if you're like a like I have an eight iron or something, uh, like a hundred sixty yard shot, hundred eighty yard shot. Um, my parallel left for me would probably be about, I'd say five yards left of the pin. That's like where my feet are aimed, but the club is if right you're at aiming the at the pin. Yes, right at the pin. Okay. Um, if that makes sense, because he's um, staying dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> you got to go at the pin, right? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'd say that's a that's a huge mistake, and I, I, I took me a while to learn it too. Um, I would always aim the alignment stick right at the pin, and that would make me close. Um, my mm. club face would be either I'd have to counteract the club face a little bit and have a work against my body or it'd, it'd be a little right um so yeah it's kind of that that five to ten yard gap where your feet are aimed left to the pin but your club face is right at it um but if i think if you can i've gotten to a really good habit of just putting an alignment stick to, uh, down every time i warm up um the second nature think, right yeah yeah just i mean it it might be dumb but you gotta I mean, do why it. have your alignment down like why yeah. have your alignment off so and even so, every day on the range, right before before an event, you feel you just you just feel different, and that's the comfort level. And that for the listeners out there, put that alignment stick down. The best pl- amateur players in the world, Ali Osborne, they do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So go buy some alignment sticks, <laughs> and also get those alignment stick covers. It's a nice little aesthetic <laughs> oh, addition yeah. to the bag. It's nice. It's a nice area for flair. Look like if a you want to look like a player. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People have asked me, what are those? I go there on my, yeah. my alignment sticks, bro. Come on. And then they watch you put them down. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And then I don't put them down. They're just purely for show. 
Um, so, okay. You spoke a little bit about your master's experience. I want to dig into master's US Open, USAM. Um, but first I got to ask, what specifically did you learn from Freddie or Francesco? Like what pieces of advice did they give you or what piece of advice did you hear that week that stuck with you from a player? Wow. Um, yeah, I'd say, so I, I'd say I learned a lot more just kind of observing some people. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll go. So Freddie couples is probably the most relaxed player you'll ever see out there. Just oh, calm, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love to watch him go about the game. I, that was the first time I ever met him. Um, um, so it was, yeah, it was super cool to see how smooth he was. And he's just so nonchalant about everything. Um, and I think he kind of nailed down that thing. It's like, he's, he doesn't like people call it, they don't care. Um, mm-hmm. but they're, they're th- not afraid to mess up pretty much. Um, and so I, I think I really saw that in Freddie, um, just wherever he was, even if he was having a bad hole, uh, I, I watch him make a, I think it was an eight on number three, just kind of chipped it over and over again. Just every shot just kind of, he went through his kind of same routine, um, and just kind of, kind of hit it with that, that don't care mentality. You can kind of tell like he, he's not worried where this one goes. He's just trying to do the, like hit the best shot. Yep. Um, so that, that was something cool. I kind of observed from, from him and he, he actually, uh, yeah, he gave me some, some good advice and, uh, kind of, kind of said, told me like, like I'm a really good player and I got a really bright future. And that was, that was really cool to hear from a, a guy like that. And, uh, put his arm around me on 18 coming off the second day. So that was, oh, awesome. I'd say that was really cool. Uh, that was, that was probably, uh, the main thing. Um, Another interesting one. So I was on 13, uh, dog leg left at Augusta mm-hmm. and Charles Schwartzel. Uh, I just played, I was playing the back nine with him and I think I hit it by Charles and Louie, like by about 50 yards on 11. And they're like, I don't want to <laughs> ma- play with this guy anymore. <laughs> Major winners. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so on 13, I pulled out three wood and I, I kind of flared it a little bit, but I, I would have had like three iron in or I was like in the rough or something. So I might've had to lay up and Charles told me like, Hey, like why, why don't you hit driver? Like you don't have to do that much. Like you hit it high enough to get it over that tree. Um, and if you hit it over that tree, you're going to have eight iron to nine iron and, and you hit it far enough where that fairway is like, I think like a combined like 80 yards wide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. So I, I started launching driver um unfortunately in the second round i i hit it left but <laughs> but the, the first round i had uh i pulled out a nine iron and that was kind of kind of cool so i'd say um a lot more of the advice i got that week was kind of about the course mm-hmm. i wouldn't say it was more of like life lessons i'd say mm-hmm. i i observed more of the life lessons that week than uh, mm-hmm. than i was told that well, sounds kind of like the decade stuff right well, I was just, like, that's what i was just gonna say yeah yeah about Fawcett talks about the three woods useless off the tee. It's either a driver or it's an iron, right? You're like, you're going to lay back or you're going to go for it. No in between. And is that something you've kind of put into practice? I, I'd say I, I disagree with that a little bit because, like, I like, I'd say when I hit three wood, it's like, it's kind of to the turning point of a hole. 
Yeah. Or I may I need sure. to carry it. Like I'll carry three wood about two eighty. So maybe the bunker is like two sixty five. Um, and I can't carry it with a, a three iron or something. So I, 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 I do kind of agree. It's that, that tweener club you might need, need off the tee. Um, but it's, I think it's something necessary that you, you'll probably have to hit eventually. Um, yeah. so you, you probably should grow to like it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Scott's whole thing was like, if you have, you know, 40 yards between both hazards, yeah. you know, like the 80 oh. yard point that Schwartzel made like it's a driver hole right yeah. even if you know there is trouble um your length actually made the landing spot a little easier even though it did bring in the thoughts of of hitting it left but um how was the like take us through the experience and well let's actually let me ask it this way Ollie what what came up for you in a masters from your mental side and your kind of approach for the week versus a U.S. Open? And there's two different areas of this question, right? One is second major, so you've kind of played in, your ma- in a major before, but also it's totally different kind of week, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably a little closer to what you're used to in college, not necessarily with the conditions, but like par is a good score, whereas the Masters, you know, on average, probably around 14 you know, 11 to 14 under, um, is going to win. Uh, what was the difference in kind of your approach of your first masters versus your first U S open at tour? And on top, top of that, what, which one fits your game better? Maybe mm-hmm. at least now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say, uh, at the masters, I was nervous as all hell. Um, there's no beating around the bush on that one. Um, <laughs> there's no scene rem- stage like that. Right. No, but it's weird, like, kind of like, I'm, everybody else was nervous, too, you could kind of tell, um, mm. like, even some of the best in the world, so that's that's something to watch. Like, guys are always nervous, but they're they're good at handling it. Um, um, so, yeah, being, being the first major I ever played in, yeah, I was nervous. I was kind of uh, walking around the grounds. I was a little, I would say I was a little more scared than I was at the U.S. Open, just because it was that first time. Um, especially at the, I think the masters is the best tournament in the world. Um, just all the tradition with it, all that stuff. Um, um, so yeah, I was, I remember I hit that, I was on that first tee and they announced my name and like, I went to follow through on the ball and like my, my heart, like hurt. <laughs> it was beating so fast. That's a good description right there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like struggled to get through it. I kind of saved it and it hit some of the right trees and then bank back in the fairway. So I was like, all right, oh, I'll members bounce. I like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and what did I'm Brett sorry, tell so you? What, your... what, what were you and Brett oh, talking yeah. about going into the masters, your first master? So we, we talked a lot about, I, I get pretty quick when I get nervous. Um, like I kind of quick in my routine. Um, mm-hmm. So I had my dad on the bag that week. So he kind of helped me with, uh, slowing down a little bit, kind of making sure I went through the process every time, uh, just simple routine stuff. Um, and then just kind of telling me to, to breathe and calm down. Cause yeah, I've, I, I was nervous as all hell. I'd say once I got out there though, uh, I'd say by the third hole is like, I felt normal. Like I, I was like, okay, this is, this, it's just like a golf tournament. Like I kind of 
uh i'm kind of back to normal but yeah we definitely we worked a lot on uh slowing down kind of staying within myself and then also the aspect of uh staying aggressive like mm. i have nothing to lose like yeah well, what's the worst that can happen like i gotta shoot back-to-back 85s i mean right. sure it's a kind of embarrassing but might as well do it at augusta right yeah <laughs> um so yeah I'd say that staying aggressive and kind of kind of slowing down my process, especially when I was a little nervous. Yeah, I mean, if you don't slow down, you can't process anything appropriately, right? Like just your whole and, and it's nice that your dad's there in your bag, right? To, yeah, no, I was. <laughs> so you was, guys can verbalize awesome. and vocalize, and he can <laughs> sense when you're, you know, maybe not in the place you should be. But mm-hmm. that attention to your process is everything. Mm-hmm. Well, Ali, our motto is enjoy the ride, right? And yeah. that's kind of what you were doing at the Masters. I don't even think you realized you were doing it, but you looked at the worst possible scenario and you said to yourself, okay, worst possible scenario is back-to-back 85s, and even if I shoot it, it's still pretty freaking cool that I'm at the Masters, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah, it might be embarrassing, but I'm still going to take a lot from it. Um, what did you take to Tory? After, you know, nerves were obviously a, a huge thing. I'm sure they were at Torrey. I played Torrey. I used to live in San Diego. I played there every weekend. Mm-hmm. So I know Torrey very well. Um, what was different for you at Torrey? Because obviously, you know, your length is a huge advantage, but also the, the rough's more penal there than, than Augusta. You can kind of hit it all around there. So um, what was the approach at Torrey? Yeah, no, I, I definitely felt a lot more comfortable. Um, I'd say just being second major, uh, I just, I, I felt comfortable walking the grounds, kind of saying hey to some guys I met at the Masters, that type of thing. Uh, uh, I'd say the, at Torrey, they, so you, you, you know Torrey, uh, it used to have a crap ton of trees, right? Mm-hmm. And like that storm came through. I think there's been quite a few storms that came through, but they knocked out a, a lot of trees. Um, so the, the trees weren't really an issue. If you hit it left or right, you're in the rough, right? Um, but like you, you didn't have anything to like hit it under. So I'd say just, just kind of ripping it all over the place was all right at Tory too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of that awkward thing at Tory. The, the rough around the fairways wasn't too bad. Mm. Um, but the yeah. rough around the greens was mm. like up here. Um, yeah. so it, it was it was kind of that weird thing, but no, I, at Tory, I was trying to be as aggressive as possible. Um, I was a little, I, I was a little nervous going into the, the week, kind of just us opens meant to be just a grind. Right. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I think I, I would say Tory's probably one of the easier venues they've had, um, in the last few years. Um, but I mean, so I think winning score was five under, um, so it wasn't terribly easy. But I, I the, the greens I like they, aren't nearly as difficult as other U.S. Open courses. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with that. Um, yeah. And so, like, I felt like I could kind of be aggressive, but it, I was expecting it to be really hard, and it really wasn't. Um, I kind of just kind of built that in my mind. So, um, I I don't think. 
it, I'm sure you at other U.S. Open venues might be really, really hard, but I, I felt like the course wasn't that bad. I felt I actually thought Augusta might have been playing a little uh, tougher. Um, just Augusta was so firm. I think uh, I was talking to DJ and he said he hadn't seen it that firm in five, five or so years or five, six years. Um, so from that standpoint, the second shot difference was at Augusta was way harder than the U.S. Open. Um, so it's just kind of that that weird thing where that kind of kind of evened out. But no, I, I definitely felt way more comfortable at the U.S. Open than I did at the Masters. And were you guys focused on anything different going in? Was there a certain focus, or obviously you talked about slowing down um, was a big thing. Knowing your tendency of getting a little quick when you get nervous again, that's important for everyone to understand. Like you're not just blindly working on things. You understand your tendencies and then you focus on, you know, grounding yourself into this might happen. So let's focus on slowing down this week. Was there a different focus for the U S open or same thing? Uh, no, I'd say it was a, a little, little different, but kind of the same things. Uh, like you kind of keep the same things and stack on top of them. Um, and I had my brother caddy that week. Um, so I think the main goal that week was kind of, we know, we knew it was going to be a grind. Um, you're expecting to make a few bogeys at least. Um, so just, just kind of not worrying about, um, whatever comes your way, make, make double on a hole just cause some, some dumb, dumb lies or something like that. Um, so I'd say staying aggressive, um, kind of just leaving some stuff in the past. Did I, you- I, I'll go ahead. No, I was just curious. Did you do a lot of, because of the rough run on the greens, did you do a lot of short game work in heavy rough specialty shots going in um, as prep? I I imagine you did in some capacity because you can, like you said, you could double can happen so quick around the greens there with just a bad decision, you know, with trying to do too much. It's kind of that uh, weird thing that, that grass there. um, I was, uh, I'd say a good, six to eight inches around some spots in the green and it, it was kind of patchy sometimes too so you get that just like kind of falls off into some some bad spots i remember on the back of 18 uh kind of right through the middle of the green but the rough probably felt like it was 10 inches it's just so yeah it, it's it's really hard to prepare for that at other courses right but once i got there uh josh and i really tried to work on uh we called it the the little dumpers and it's just it's kind of a big swing slow mo, um, kind of, and then kind of just letting it fall on the ball. Yeah. It, it's just, and you just got to, cause it, it'll, your ball will be a yard off the green and you're in eight inch <laughs> rough and you're 15 feet away from the pin. Um, yeah. You got to so yeah, tighten your left hand, but be slow bit. motion. Yeah. You got a cannon yeah. on the other <laughs> sides. So you don't want to hit it thin either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, yeah, we, Josh and I worked a lot on short game that week um out of the rough especially um just kind of trying to hit those little dumpers and uh just trying to have some some good touch around the greens because it's really hard to get it close to the hole if you miss the green yeah so we only got 10 minutes left i feel like we could do a whole podcast just on the usam (laughs) um because it was quite a finish uh let's start with understanding the different kind of grind that a 36 hole match is in the finals and how that compared mentally to 
stroke play and then you know singles matches of 18 hole matches um walk me through what that's like a 36 hole match i mean you're able to be more patient but you also don't want to take your foot off the gas and get complacent either so how how do you work through that what what was going what was the focus that week yeah so yeah you go through uh i think it was seven matches in total if i'm right um so uh, again i'm struggling with numbers today (laughs) i'm 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 washed after finals um (laughs) but uh i'd say those 18 hole matches you're they they feel quick um especially if you're playing good i think one of them i would play 13 holes um but the going into the 36 hole day you're just kind of prepared um to just play 36 and yeah you do stay patient but yeah you're trying to keep your foot on the grass gas too i think the cool thing is though if you get down uh you know you have holes left like you're not in panic mode right away um i remember i was gosh i was five up through i think it was 12 12 holes on the, the 36 hole day and i was like Wow, this can't be this easy to get, can it? <laughs> and then and then Strafacci won four in a row. That's <laughs> just back to one up. <laughs> so, things, right? yeah. so so things can happen quick, but yeah, you you, you definitely have to stay patient. Uh, I think it's kind of cool though that you have time to make up some ground. Um and it, it does does bring out the best uh, player that that week for sure. Um but no, it's a it's a cool finish to a championship. Well, what's also interesting too, right? let's say you didn't play as well as you liked in that first 18, you get to play those same holes again. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you had a negative thought that was hounding you, it's like, you can, all right, I got a new, it's, it's a new start. Right. So you're constantly kind of trying to evolve. Even if you played good to play better. Right. And you yeah. kind of have that fresh perspective on that next 18. Yeah. And you have that, that kind of match play, uh, comfortableness, I'd say, because, you can make a 10 on a hole and well, you only, yeah, exactly. So you just move on to the next hole and forget about it. So what were your thoughts when you were five up and now you're one up almost starting your next 18? <laughs> what are the thoughts that well, are was going he, through your head? Was he pouring birdies on you or was it you falling back or was, cause that- uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember. I remember he, he was making birdies actually. Yeah. He, he made, he made a few birdies. And I think I think I might have made one or two bogeys, um, and then, yeah, it's it just I remember thinking like, shit, I was just five up and now I'm one up, and I was I was on seventeen t. I was like, all right, just try to end this at like close this out, just get a, keep a lead. Um, no, it, it happened quick, and I, I was pissed. I was actually really pissed. My dad helped me calm down. Um, I, I there's the honesty hug, yeah <laughs> I, I, I wanted to huck a club in the ocean i remember i uh on 16 is that drivable par four with the water right mm-hmm. and i, yeah, I just hole. launched it i launched it into the ocean i just i i came out of it it was it was easily like 100 yards right um yeah and i i was livid um but no he, he brought me back within myself and then uh yeah it's just the next time i was just a start of a new 18 pretty much how did he bring you back in yourself? What was, cause this is the thing, Ollie, that everyone struggles with, right? It's easy to stay even keel when you're hitting it good and you're playing well. 
you got the chance to be the USAM champ, right? And you're up five. You're feeling real good, right? Like, I'm going to bury this guy. This is going to be like a dominant performance. And to go from that feeling, I don't know if you're feeling that way. You tell me. Um, but I'm sure those thoughts, you're a human being. Those thoughts probably creep in, whether you listen to them or not. But then it goes to one, and you're livid, and you're frustrated, and you can't believe you lost the lead. Everyone can relate to that. Everyone's experienced that. So how did you get back? What was your reset? What did you focus on? What did you say to yourself? Yeah, so I, I've grown up. My, my dad's always been uh, really good with the mental stuff, and I, I've always grown up being a really uh, calm person. Um, and he kind of taught me the most important shots, the next one, as simple as it sounds. It might sound a little cheesy. Uh, so, yeah, sure. I kind of – and then he kind of put his arm around me. He's like, uh, like said, just told me you got this. Like, you're all right. Like, you got, what, at that point, 19, 20 more holes to to close this guy out. So, no, like, I got tons of time, and I just kind of focus on the next shot. I mean, it was such an amazing match to watch. Like, what a great – drama and coming down the stretch i mean for the golf world at that's at that setting to abandon um coming down the stretch what was it like you know as you guys were just you're down you fought back i mean talk us through yeah. that yeah yeah so as as you said the the fog earlier the fog kind of started to roll in um i think it started on number 10 uh on on that that final nine and then it got really, really bad on this part, the 12th, the part three. Mm-hmm. And I, I could, we could barely make out the pin. Um, and I, I, fortunately, I, I, I hit a good shot there and made birdie. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of that, that weird thing of fog kind of rolling in, kind of that eerie vibe. Um, no, I was, it was, it was one of the coolest experiences I had and kind of to share it with my dad too. It's just that, uh, that fog definitely added some, some stuff, uh, some, some different challenges, uh, just trying to find where we could hit our shots. I remember on 16 with that drivable again, uh, I had it just, it, the ball was going nowhere with that fog. So I think it was like 280 to the pin and I, I had to rip driver and we could, there's like a picture of my dad and I just pointing out and there's like 10 feet in up front of us just looks like a wall of clouds. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. So, no, it was, that was a really cool uh, way to finish a championship, and it, it felt like it was planned almost. It, it was kind of cool. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. felt uh, like an no, out of body, like spiritual experience almost. And Bagger uh, Vance, right? Yeah, and which is like my favorite movie. <laughs> but Ali, I'm curious. Um, and actually, we're having Stephen Pressfield on the show um, in January, the author of Bagger Vance, who's one of my heroes. But, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm curious because I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Serm, but if I'm playing Twilight, and I don't really play Twilight very often anymore, I usually play early if I can, but you know, you're trying to finish, right? And sometimes you're playing in the dark. I've sometimes played my best golf in the dark. I'm feeling, I can kind of feel off the face where it went. You know, you're not sure if you're going to find it, but usually I ended up like parring in many think, times in the dark less. because and i i'm curious if this maybe is possible with fog you kind of have to like laser into what you're trying to do you have to maybe focus even harder 
but you you're also not looking it. at yeah you're not looking at the trouble you just kind of have to focus on your line and and rip it and i was really impressed how you and tyler like especially on 18 like we're going to talk about 18 in a second but <laughs> uh you guys were ripping it and did, did the fog you think maybe even help at all so I, i've talked about this with brett um you know how like some golfers when they're really sick uh they'll go out there and play and yeah. they actually play better than they, they they usually would or something like that mm -hmm. yeah so that's like that kind of factor where you drop all expectations yeah um and i'd say that fog or in the dark you kind of you kind of lose uh like expectations like you you really don't care where yeah. it goes um like you're just like screw it let's just hit it here and uh just just do that like just hit it and it, like yeah you drop your expectations you stop uh that trying factor um and you just kind of hit it so yeah i'd say that that fog fog and the twilight definitely uh are, are pretty similar to that um and uh probably probably is why we hit some some pretty cool shots coming in yeah. yeah well let's let's end with these last couple questions i know we're at time but we got to talk about the finish because look we talked about the context of up five now up one you guys went like this back and forth you were down i forget two or three in in at the end were you down two You're down down two with three to play down two with three to play and 17 your opponent tyler hits it in the hazard twice right <laughs> and you're now all square in the fog 18 36 of the 36 whole match to win the usam par can't five make, and you can't hit it make a mile. it up. um now what was going through your mind and how did you refocus to hit because you hit a great drive yeah no i uh i you know i was i was pretty bummed after 15 um but I, I just kind of was like, you know, you're just going to be aggressive as possible and try to make it to 18, right? Because mm -hmm. um, it's two down with three to play. Um, and I got to that point um, where we're all square. I was like, this is like exactly where I want to be. Like I've won the last two holes. I, I got all momentum with me. Uh, so just just go out there and rip it. And I, and yeah, and I just kind of went up there and uh, I just said like, yeah, this is to win the USAM, but why not like put it all on the table type of thing mm -hmm. um so yeah i just kind of told myself to swing hard and just uh let it rip hope for the best and did your obviously your opponent put it to like 12 feet i think he hit like four iron or something um he was yelling after the ball right like be good be <laughs> good um and that probably had to fire you up a little bit I noticed, did you, I don't know if it was just the, the camera or the, the way they cut the highlight. It seemed like you hit your shot pretty quick after that. <laughs> yeah, so that's that, that quick factor we're talking okay. about. Yeah. Um, I was, so I, I, I'm like a pretty fast player, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and so it was something, they had a stat on it. I think I hit that shot within 20 seconds of his ball stopping. Um, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was on, honestly like we, we, my dad and I like talked to the shop before. I, I would, I would say, yeah, maybe I got a little quick, but uh, I definitely went through my routine and everything. Okay. So, yeah, no, that was, that was real. I, uh, 
yeah. I did hit my shot that quick. Um, and I, I was just like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, knew exactly what I needed to do. So I uh, tried to go and rip it. And I, I didn't make a great swing, kind of left it out on the right and kind of left myself a little awkward chip. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun ride. Yeah. I mean, what an experience. I mean, that's what this competitive golf is all about. I mean, you're going to take that experience and just double down on it. Right. When you're there again and yeah. on the tour and absolutely so amazing next year, right. Graduating. Yeah. Graduating this spring, uh, kind of home stretch with classes. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Graduating, turning pro all, all the fun stuff. So we got some stuff to look forward to. So we talked about a lot of stuff. I think the main takeaway for today, Serm to me, is I think Ali matches staying calm and relaxed, letting the round kind of come to him, knowing that mistakes are going to happen, but you stay dangerous, right? And just just rip it. You like to rip it, <laughs> yeah. do the best you can, and mistakes are going to be made. But you also, I think you probably get comfort that you're like, you put the work in ahead of time, right? Uh, like you're uh, doing- short game too. I mean- Your short game practice, everything is, seems to be very um, intentional, right? And so by the time you tee it up, you play aggressive, you play to your strength, which is ball striking and your length. Um, and you see where the chips fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Anything- that we didn't talk about or that you want to reiterate for the 12 or 15 handicap as you go into this next phase of your career and we're going to be rooting for you and hopefully we'll see you on tour and maybe have you back, you know, after your first win, you know, let's just yeah. chalk it up right now. After your first win, we'll have you back. Uh, Absolutely. What do you want to leave people with um, for the average uh, player? I guess one thing I'd say, so like after I had that run at the USAM, I started to play with some people. And I kind of noticed like they were nervous to play with me mm. and I could care less. Like I'm out there to have fun. I, I don't care what you do. So I'd say uh, to the amateur golfer that are maybe playing with a little better caliber of golfer, uh, don't, don't worry about what other people are thinking. Like mm. go out there, be stupid. Uh, just try things, be like experiment. Um, it's just, just to have fun. Um, so just do that and, uh, of course stay dangerous. So maybe enjoy the ride. Ollie's just telling you to enjoy the enjoy ride. ride, stay dangerous. That's, that's great advice though for our Love listeners. It. Yeah. Well, Ollie, we wish you nothing but the best of luck. Um, we're super grateful to have you on. You want to tell people where they can follow you so they can, uh, keep tabs on, on your journey. Yeah, I guess I only have an Instagram, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, underscore Ollie Osborne underscore. Uh, yeah, go ahead and. Uh, follow me and uh, what I do and I'll try to keep y'all updated love it love it well thanks for hopping aboard Ali we wish you nothing but the best of luck thanks Thank Ali yeah yeah I appreciate you guys thank you take care man I'm through with standing in line The clubs I'll never get in It's like the bottom of the ninth And I'm never gonna win this Life hasn't turned out quite the way I want it to be Tell me what you want I want a brand new house On an episode of Cribs And a bathroom I can play baseball in
me.